in the last few weeks, we've been rounding up our um, Year to Grow uh, series. And uh, I want to look at a story today, which is like a pre-Christmas story. And it's all about living with hope and how there was a couple who had many challenges in their lives, but yet they were able to live with hope and hold on to the promises of God. And when I've been thinking about a year to grow and reflecting over the the year, I've been thinking how in some ways there's almost two ways of approaching our year to grow. Uh, And one is that maybe at the start of the year or during the year, you thought to yourself, oh, do you know what? I would really like to grow in this. You know, I'd really like to grow in hearing from God. And maybe you went along to the Hearing from God series, or I'd really like to grow in sharing about my faith. And you've been praying for opportunities with that. Maybe you've like picked something and you've been like working towards it across the year. And that's how it's like worked for you. Maybe you've forgotten all about a year to grow, and you're like, oh, no, I've got three weeks left. No, I'm kidding. Or, but sometimes as well, I don't know about you, but as we've been going through the series, a lot of the talks and things, we've been looking at how actually often we can sometimes we grow through adversity or we grow through challenge. And these times as we walk with God through these seasons, how that grows our character. And we've, like Adam spoke about uh, resilience, and Julian spoke recently about walking in peace. But I don't know about you, but when you're going through one of these seasons, it doesn't really feel like a year to grow. It can almost feel like a year to get through, you know, or a year to get through the other side. But today, I think God really wants to encourage us that through every season, as we walk with him and stay close with him, that he is with us and that he has a purpose for us in every season. And he can work in us and through us for good like Rob shared, for good in our lives and for a blessing to others in every season of our lives. And there's this great promise in Psalm 1 where it talks about the joy of those who delight in the Lord. And it says they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither. And there's two characters I want to look at today, and, and I think that they, they were two people who who took delight in the Lord, and they were people that saw fruit in the seasons of their lives. And so I want to look at this story and think about, well, how did they do it, and some things that we can learn from them as we seek to walk through these seasons ourselves. Is that okay? Great. So if we get straight into it, so the story is of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we find this story in the beginning of Luke's Gospel. And it runs alongside the story of Jesus' birth. So it's, a, you know, it's got that Christmas feel. And as we know, Luke, he was a, a doctor and a historian. And he had heard about Jesus. He wasn't from um, the Israel, but he was from another nation, possibly Syria. And he'd heard about Jesus. He met with Paul as Paul traveled around and shared about the gospel. He became a Christian. And he decided to uh, almost like interview the different eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and compile the stories together to give his account of what happened. And so he takes it right back to the beginning, even before Jesus was born, and he starts like this. In Luke 1, chapter 5, it says this. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So Luke here, straight away, he like sets the scene. And if you were alive around Luke's time, this would straight away bring a picture into your mind of what life was like for Zechariah and Elizabeth. When he says that in the days of King Herod of Judea, that would like today if you were reading a book and it said like, you know, it was Berlin under Hitler or it was Moscow 
and under Stalin, and straight away you would have a picture in the days of Henry VIII, and you would have a picture of what life was like, because King Herod was a, a ruthless ruler, and he was someone who had worked his way into power under the Romans, and in 37 BC, he was given an army by the Roman Senate. He was in Rome, and he was given an army, and they pronounced him king of Judea, and he went back uh, into Jerusalem, and he invaded it and conquered it and seized power for himself uh, using a Roman army. And Herod, he, he wasn't actually Jewish by birth, um, and so he felt constantly threatened that someone else may have a, a better claim to the throne than him. And uh, so he was constantly killing off any threat to his power. He even killed his own family, members of his own family and his own children. And Caesar Augustus said, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son, because he was so, like, ruthless. And... This was the time that Elizabeth and Zechariah and, and were living under. And as we know, Herod was the one who ordered all the children under two, all the boys under two, to be killed when he heard about Jesus' birth, thinking it might be a threat to his own power. So this was what it was like living in the country at the time. They were under Roman occupation. It was ruthless. It was high taxes. It was hard. They would regularly see crucifixions and people just, you know, taken away any hint of rebellion or of opposition. It was ruthless crackdowns. And this is what it was like day after day after day. And it was a hard time to be alive. But then in the mix, we have this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who lived out on the countryside in Judea. And Luke says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. And they were a couple who loved God and loved people, and they were loved by their community and their neighbors and relatives, and they were serving God together in the mix of all of this that was going on in this challenging time. And as well as that, they had their own personal challenge, as well as what was going on in the nation. The, this couple, they'd been unable to have children, which is something they would have wanted to have. And they were now in their old age. And this had been a real challenge and source of pain and difficulty in their lives. And especially, particularly, that was heightened in the culture that they were in uh, at the time. And this is something that they had to learn to live with all through the years into their old age. But even still, as they went through these things, they continued to love God and to love people and to see God's purpose in their life work through in their community, where they lived, in the countryside, day after day, week after week. And for Zechariah, one of the ways where he was serving God and continued to live with purpose was that he was a priest. And uh, part of this was that every year there would be certain times where it'd be like, it was like if he was on the cleaning team and it was his week on the rotor, every now and again, his division of priests would be called up and they'd have to go to Jerusalem and they would serve in the temple together and they'd help the people as they came to worship God. And there was many jobs to do, but there was one particular job that every priest would like the opportunity to do, and that was to burn the incense in the sanctuary. Now, this was different to all the other jobs. It was like considered to be going into the, like a holy place close to God, and it was really um, rare, and not many people got to do it, and this was like the big highlight and uh, what they would do is they would cast lots to decide which priest was going to do it. Now, a few weeks ago, when the World Cup was on, 
Not only were people interested, obviously, which team is going to get to the final, but alongside that, people were discussing which referee is going to referee the World Cup final. Now, in Wales, we've got the world's best referee, Nigel Owens. Well done, Nigel. And, uh, but there was also this French referee, Roman Garces, and it was between the two. Who was going to referee the World Cup final? Nigel Owens did it last time, but this year, they gave it to Roman Garces. Well done to him. But everyone was like, interested. oh, you know, for the referees, this is a big deal. And did you... And if you watch the game, you know, it's before they give the players the trophy a win, the referees get their own medal. And this is the first time I've seen a referee holding up his medal aloft. He was so chuffed to get to the final. Of like all the rugby referees in the world, only one gets the referee the World Cup final. And it was his turn. And this is what it was like for the priests. Of all the priests in the nation, only a few would ever be able to get to go into the sanctuary and burn the incense. It was like the highlight of a priest's life. And this time, Zechariah was chosen. You were only ever allowed to do it once. So this was a big deal. And the idea was that you would go in and you would do it as fast as possible because it was like a holy place. And so, um, and then yeah, afterwards you'd come out and everyone would worship together. So anyway, Zechariah goes in. It's a big deal. Biggest day of his life. And as he's in there trying to be as quick as he can to make sure he doesn't do anything wrong, suddenly an angel appears to him, the angel Gabriel, and it frightens the life out of him. <laughs> he must be like, oh no, what have I done? But it frightens the life out of him. But the angel puts Zechariah at ease, and he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer, and your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. You are to name him John. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And then he goes on to prophesy about this baby's destiny and the things that he would do, that he would grow up to serve God and to prepare people for Jesus, and that he would turn people's hearts back to God and restore relationship with him. But when Zechariah hears this amazing promise from the angel, he, he responds by saying, well, how can I be sure of this? How can, I, how can I know this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. And when he hears this promise from the angel, he doesn't really believe him. He, and he starts to give all the reasons why it can't happen. I'm, I'm a bit like this one, those people. You know when someone tells you a really good idea, and then you straight away you think of all the reasons. Oh, yeah, but that won't work. Oh, yeah, but that won't work. Well, that's what Zechariah's doing. He's thinking, but how can this happen? I'm an old man now. It's not possible for me, and it's not possible for my wife. How can I be sure? And he asks for a sign. And Gabriel now is like, hold on a minute. He says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. He's like, I am the sign. You know, when have you seen me before? You know? <laughs> and he says, because you didn't believe, you're, you will not be able to speak until the time that the baby is born. Now, meanwhile, everyone else is outside the temple because obviously this is going on a little while and they're waiting for what's going on. Now, this would be a familiar scene, an experience of many men, especially this time of year. But all the other fellows are outside waiting and they're thinking to themselves, what on earth is Zechariah doing in there? Because you're meant to be as quick as you can. And then suddenly Zechariah comes out and he can't speak and he can't tell them what's happened. And he's motioning to them in sign. They'd invented sign language then. So he's, you know, he's trying to motion to them. And they realize, oh, wow, he must have seen a vision or something. Something's gone on. Something's happened. And the fact that Zechariah is unable to speak, that becomes the sign that God has done something, that God is at work. 
And so after Zechariah finishes his um, work in Jerusalem and he returns home when all the other priests go home, he goes home and soon after Elizabeth becomes pregnant, just like the angel had said and just like God had promised. And Elizabeth's response is she says, how kind the Lord is. And she recognizes that this is a miracle and a gift from God. And so we fast forward nine months And it's the time for Elizabeth to give birth. And she gives birth to a son. And just like the angel promised, everyone came and celebrated with her. It says, when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. And eight days later, uh, this is what they used to do. They would name the child on the eighth day. So eight days later, the family and the friends and the relatives, they'd all gathered round for the naming of the child. They didn't do like gender reveal parties back then because they didn't know, they couldn't work that out. Except they knew it was going to be a boy in this case, so they could have. But anyway, they were doing the name thing. And all the family wanted to call the baby Zechariah after his father. That's what often the custom was. And that would show that the firstborn son would follow in the footsteps of the father. That was the idea. But Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. And all the family are like, why are you calling him John? No one in the family is called John. Is there any Johns amongst us? No one's called John. No, he's going to be called Zechariah. And she says, no. And so then they go and speak to Zechariah about it. And it says that they went to ask Zechariah and they signed to him, you know, what do you want the baby to be called? Now, Zechariah couldn't speak. But they signed to him, which either they assumed he was deaf or maybe he was deaf as well. But I know this can happen. So a few years ago, my mum was in bed with laryngitis and she couldn't speak. And if we wanted to communicate with her, we'd obviously ask her a question or whatever. You know, have you seen my school shirt? And then she would have to write it down on a piece of paper. And one time she like called me upstairs making a noise or whatever so I came up and she had a a question for me written down I can't remember what it was and so I went to answer and because she'd written to me I was going give me like give me the paper then so I can reply and then she had to write on the piece of paper you can speak and I was like oh yeah sorry so I don't know if that was going on but anyway they signaled to Zechariah and they gave him a, a writing tablet And on the tablet, Zechariah just writes this. His name is John. And as soon as he writes that, his mouth is opened again and he's able to speak. And he begins to praise God. And everyone is shocked and God's promise is fulfilled. And it says this, that wonder fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what happened spread throughout the Judean hills. And everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? And you can imagine the excitement of what was happening. I like to put myself there and imagine what, what would this must have been like to hear what was going on in all this challenging time in the nation that God is doing something. This must have been amazing. And then Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives this amazing prophecy of what God is doing. And he says this, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and all who hate us, so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Now I wonder, as Zechariah is saying these things, if in his mind he's like imagining 
that they're going to be freed from the Romans, from the Roman soldiers, so that they could, you know, be free from those who hate us, and they could worship freely, and they wouldn't have this oppression going on. But then he goes on to prophesy about what God is doing, about Jesus coming into the world. And we see there's so much more than just being freed from the Romans, but that God is doing something for the whole world, something much bigger. And he says this, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And then the next, Luke ends this over the story by saying, John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry. So for me, I like to place myself in the story and imagine if I was there, if I was a neighbor or a family friend and I'd come along and seen this amazing thing and Zechariah, you know, Elizabeth who was, couldn't have children, now she has and Zechariah couldn't speak and now he can and then hear this prophecy that God is breaking into the world that the light from heaven is about to come and you'd imagine the excitement, the anticipation that's building, the hope that this would bring as people were suffering day after day in the hardship that God was doing something. But then at the same time, as we see what Zechariah says, we also see that this promise from God that he was breaking into the world, it wasn't a new promise, and it wasn't brand new information. But Zechariah said this is something that God had promised long ago. And for us today, we know the fulfillment of this promise, that God has rescued us, that because of God's tender mercy, he has come into the world As a man in Jesus, the light from heaven broke into the darkness of the world to bring us freedom, not just a freedom for them from Roman occupation, but something much bigger, freedom in our lives, freedom for all humanity and all creation, freedom from death. And that's why God came into the world, to bring freedom to each one of us, because God loves us. God has a purpose for our lives. God wants to be with us every single day. And so he came into the world as a man himself in Jesus. And Jesus loved people. Jesus set people free from sickness. People set people free from struggles in their mind. People set people free from when they were feeling guilty and under heavy burdens and his power could set people free and ultimately Jesus died on the cross and he took the sin of the world onto himself, the sin of the world that separates us from God, the sin of the world that leads to death and Jesus died with it in his body and when God raised him to life on the third day, he broke the power of death so that every one of us can walk freely in our lives without the fear of death, without the fear of what happens when we die. But to know we have an eternity with God waiting for us. And when we accept Jesus into our lives, he meets us today. He comes into our lives with his power to bring forgiveness for the things we've done wrong so we can walk with God every day and walk on a path of peace so we can live each day without fear, knowing whatever challenges we face and whatever is before us, that God is with us, that he has power for our lives, there is a hope for our future, and that when we die, we don't die, that we don't die, but there is eternal life for everyone who everyone who wants eternity with God, it is there for them through Jesus. And that's the promise that we have. That's the hope that we live with. 
just like this promise that Zechariah gave here. We know the fulfillment of that. And each day we can walk in it in our lives. And in Hebrews it says this, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls that every single day we can live with this hope and we can live out of this hope and we can step out from fear but we can live each day knowing that God is with us and that he will not abandon us and that there are good things for our lives and there are good things to bring to others and that ultimately we have eternity ahead of us. And today, just like with Elizabeth and Zechariah, you know, we live in a fragile world and a world that often lacks hope. But we can, bring, we can be hope bringers into the world around us because we have a solid hope that will not fail and is there for us to reach out and bring to others. And in our own lives, in our personal lives, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they dealt with pain and they dealt with that each day, but they lived out of hope. And so I want to have a look for us now in this story. How can we walk in light of God's promise like Elizabeth and Zechariah did and hold on to this hope and know it as an anchor for our souls? So Zechariah and Elizabeth, I want to highlight three things that they did. And the first thing that they both did in all that they went through is that they continued to worship God and to be in community. They were present. They were there in the presence of God's people and in God's presence as well. And Zechariah, year after year, and week after week, and time after time, he continued to join up with his division of priests and go to Jerusalem together to serve God together. He was there. Now, he was an older man now, and he probably could have got out of it if he wanted to. And he probably could have let, oh, you know, I've done my bit, or, you know, it hasn't worked out for me. I'll let someone else have a go. But Zechariah, he chose to be there. He chose to be amongst God's people and do the things that God had called him to do. And he loved God and he loved people. And when the angel appeared to him, the angel said, God has heard your prayer. This was probably a prayer that Zechariah had prayed over many years. And in his response, we see that it was a prayer that he had given up on over many years. And Zechariah, he found it hard to believe what the angel said. And that's because Zechariah wasn't perfect. You know, we look at Elizabeth and Zechariah. They weren't like great heroes of the faith that, oh, look at them. They were ordinary people like us who struggled with things and found life hard. And it was tough. But Zechariah, he chose to be there. And there are many things we could draw out from Zechariah. We could say how this encourages us to keep praying and not to give up because we know that God hears our prayers. And even if we don't see the answer straight away, to keep going because we know that God hears even when we don't always see. We could talk about how God is gracious to us. And even when Zechariah doubted and he asked for a sign, that the fact that he couldn't speak, it was the very sign that he asked for. We could talk about how God performs miracles in our lives and how he is there for us. But the key for us today, the thing I want us to take from is the fact that Zechariah was there, that he didn't have to be, but he chose to be there, that he was present in God's presence and with God's people, and he was there. And God still had a purpose for Zechariah to work in his life and to bless others. And it was where he was that he found that in the presence of God and with God's people. And that's where our hope and strength is renewed as we come together, as we stick to one another, as we belong to one another, and as we spend time with God together. In Romans 15, it says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, 
will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's God who is the source of hope. And it's him who's the source of power to live this life. And when we spend time in God's presence and with one another where we belong, that's where we're filled. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can continue to discover the things that God has for us in every season. Now, the second thing then is with Elizabeth. And she did the same as Zechariah. And we see that in Elizabeth's life, even though she hadn't been able to have children, which, you know, in her culture, in her day, would be kind of what was expected of a wife, she still lived with purpose every day and in her community. And I love it that when she gave birth to John, it says all the neighbors rejoiced with her. And that really says something, doesn't it, about how Elizabeth engaged with the people around her day in, day out, that they were all happy with her and they all came to rejoice. And Elizabeth had an important role to play in Jesus' life. Now, with her pregnancy, where she became pregnant in her old age. This has happened many times before in the Bible with Abraham and Sarah and with Jacob and Rachel and Hannah and Elkanah. And there were lots of examples of this where God performed this miracle. And I've seen this happen in my own life with different people I know. I remember when I was at university, my uh, student leaders at the time were a couple called Mark and Joe. And they were a brilliant couple and I love them. They did an amazing work. And I remember when I was there, that many times they shared stories that they'd wanted to have children. They'd been unable to do so. And they said oh, many times they'd been at conferences or events and they'd heard people share stories of how they'd been unable to have children and how they had prayed and they'd had a miracle in their life and they'd been able to conceive. And they thought to themselves, you know, will this ever happen to us? And it was something that they'd been praying for over many years. And then whilst I was at university between my first and second year, they'd gone along to a a conference and someone had shared a story again. And even though they'd sat through many of these stories over many years and prayed many times, they felt that they should, actually, you know, let's go and pray. Let's go and ask for prayer again. And they went and asked for prayer. And then that summer, she got pregnant. And when I came back for my second year, she was pregnant. And during that year, they gave birth to a little boy called Theo. And he's like 10 years old now or something. I'm getting old. And, uh, or maybe not that old. Anyway, and, uh, but it was amazing. And it was amazing to see. And I, I know many stories like this. And this has happened before throughout the Bible. But when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said that you're going to give birth to a son, and Mary says, but how? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel says this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Now this had never happened before. And this is a lot to take in for Mary. That the Holy Spirit was going to give her a child. Now she had no reference point for this. And in the culture at the time as well, to be pregnant before you are married, this was a really big deal. I mean, you know, she would be ostracized for this. But then the angel uses Elizabeth as an example to encourage her and says, the next thing he says is, but what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And people used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month for nothing is impossible for God. And on hearing this, Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. 
And so it was Elizabeth that the angel pointed to that gave Mary the confidence and helped her faith to say yes to what God was doing. Isn't that amazing? And then the next thing it says is, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And who was, when Mary heard this news, who was the first person that she thought to go to, that she could trust this with? Because this was a, you know, this was a big deal. She could be like killed for this in the culture and the, the laws at the time. She ran to Elizabeth, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, because she knew what they were like. She knew their character. She knew that they, she could trust them, that they were people who had followed God all of their lives, even through the challenges that they had been through. She knew that they were a couple that would understand, and she ran to them. She knew it would be safe. And Elizabeth, when um, Mary arrives, she was filled with the Holy Spirit and her baby leapt inside her. And she said this, what an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. And you are blessed because you believe the Lord, but you believed the Lord would do what he said. And Elizabeth believed Mary's story. Because this story would sound crazy, but Elizabeth believed it. And so did Zechariah. And they had an important role to play in Jesus' birth. And so what we see with Elizabeth and Zechariah is all that they'd been through through their lives prepared them to be a people that Mary could go to and Mary would trust. And not only that, now in their old age, God had a, a whole fresh purpose for them, which God had planned in you all along. And this encourages for us that wherever we are and whatever season we've been through and challenge or disappointment, and however old we are, that God continually has purpose for our lives and good things for us to do, a new purpose for us to discover. And that's what Elizabeth discovered even now in her old age. Okay, so lastly then, they were present, they discovered God's purpose, and thirdly is that they remembered God's promises. They remembered God's promises, which they had discovered in the scriptures and which we find in the Bible. And when Zechariah prophesied over his son, as we looked at earlier, he said that all this would happen just as God promised through his holy prophets long ago. And Zechariah, they knew what God was like and they knew that he was faithful and he knew, they knew that he was with them and they knew that he had purpose for their lives and he knew that he, they, he was their rescuer because of what they discovered as they'd read the scriptures after years and years and years and years and they'd walked with God day after day after day. And this was what enabled them to keep going and to not give up because of the promises of God which they had discovered. And that's the same for us today. That when we go through these times, that but when we get into the Bible, we hear God's voice and we hear his words of life to us and his words of truth to us. And we discover the promises of Jesus. In Romans, it puts it like this. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And that's why Jesus said, People do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now we get into the Bible, it's not just words on a page, but it's living, it's God breathed, his Holy Spirit speaks to us as we absorb it into our lives and as we read the stories and discover the promises and hear God's voice speaking straight into our hearts and minds, it breathes strength in our spirits and it breathes faith 
in our hearts and minds so we can walk each day in light of the promises that are ahead of us and knowing the things that God wants to do in our lives each day. And we can't muster this up in our own strength. We can't muster it up on our own. But as we're present with God and one another and as we continue to follow the purposes of God and as we read his promises and absorb them into our heart through the scriptures as we read it, the Holy Spirit empowers us to discover these things each day. And so as we come to the end of a year to grow in the last few weeks, I want to encourage you with an achievable goal if um, you've kind of oh yeah, I would like to do something before the end of the year, is to get into the Bible over the next few weeks. Let me encourage you, you know, sometimes we we go through seasons where we let it slip. I want to encourage you to get into the Bible over the next few weeks. And why not start with Luke's Gospel? We've just done chapter one today, but you can go back and, you know, read it for yourselves and make sure I've got everything right. And, uh, but then why not read it? And you'll go through the whole of Jesus' life between now and Christmas. And uh, if you don't have a Bible and you're here for the first time, then you're very welcome to come and take. We've got Luke's uh, Gospel here and also the second book he wrote, Acts which is the next part of what happened after Jesus. And you're welcome to come and get one of these off me later. But why not set yourself that goal over the next few weeks to read a chapter a day? And if reading's a struggle for you, if you download the um, Bible app on your phone, it's got the audio Bible on there. And you can listen to it a little bit each day and allow it to speak into your lives. And so last of all then, this is what Zechariah and Elizabeth did. They were present with God's people and they were there. And they lived with purpose. They knew that God had a purpose for them in every season. And they held on to his promises as they read scripture and as it spoke into their hearts. And if these are three things that we can practice in our lives, it's a way that we can, like it says in the psalm, to stay like a tree planted along the riverbank. That we stay empowered by the Holy Spirit and together with his people. And we can produce fruit in season and know that we will not wither but that God is with us each day and each time. Okay, should we pray? Father God, I thank you that you love every single person here today and that you love us and your love does not fail. And in every season of our lives, you want to work good things in our lives and through our lives to bless others. And we know, Lord, that these things we can only do with you. But I thank you that you are there for us. And you do not leave us alone. And so, Holy Spirit, right now I pray, would you come with your power? And for anyone here this morning who's in a a season of challenge, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill them again with your power? Would you speak your words of encouragement into their hearts? I pray, would you strengthen them? and strengthen their bodies. And I pray that they would see and know your goodness at work in their lives. We thank you, Lord, that you're good to us every day. In Jesus' name, amen.